Well, well, team, look what we have today. Of course, wouldn't you know it, Jerome Powell, 10 a.m. Eastern. Of course, that's going to change everything up. We can look all we want at the pre-market action. We'll find out. What does Jerome Powell say? Will we get an updated view on disinflation? The word that was such a focus word a month ago. Did the hot PCE report put Powell on alert? We'll find out today. Will he talk, of course, about the extreme tight labor market? Economic growth needs further slowdown. We'll find out. Of course, he'll have his meeting with the Senate Banking Committee. That starts at 10 a.m. You don't want to miss that. Dick Sporting Goods sees Rivian with a offering. We'll talk a little bit about Meta. We'll get into Key Corp Bank, of course. And we'll take a look at some action that's going on out there. I know you guys have been seeing Pinterest, Snap moving. That's all on the TikTok band. We got a lot to talk about. And of course, we got our guest today. We're going to get into the Stock Traders Almanac. Hit the thumbs up, Jeffrey Hirsch. Let's get it started. This is pre market prep. Coming to you live from downtown Detroit, this is Benzinga's pre market prep. With your host, Joel Conan. This is a volatile puppy here, isn't it? And Dennis Dick. I'm bidding a penny. I'd buy that stock for a penny. With everything you need to start your trading day. All right, good morning, traders and investors. Let's take a look at the S&Ps. Not a big range overnight. Up five and a quarter handles at 40, 50, 75. The buck gaining about 25 cents at 104.57. Bonds up three quarters of a point almost at uh, 125 and 11, 30 seconds. Crude hanging out in the $80 handle. Down 39 cents, though, at 80.07. Gold slipping again, trying to decide what to do in the 1800 handle. Down 1020, 1844.40. Silver in the red, back under 21. That's down 20 cents. Bitcoin flat this morning, up 40 bucks, 22,430. Uh, Mr. Powell is going to be joining the investment world at 10 o'clock. Will he be pumping Powell or dumping Powell? Or peaceful, pal. What do you think, Triple D? I think he's going to hold back on the disinflation talk. So I think we're not going to hear a lot about that word. Um, it's impossible to really say, you know, if he's going to be dovish or hawkish. And it's more impossible to say what the market's response is going to be. But we have been in this choppy environment for a long time. I think what we're going to equal here today when Powell takes the hill is a choppy trading day. I think don't, you know, get faked out by, oh, here's the big rally. Oh, here's a big sell-off. I got to sell stocks. Oh, here's a big rally. I got to buy stocks. I think you're still playing it the same way the fade trade continues to work. Yeah, quiet day yesterday. Uh, Apple led us uh, to the uh, close to that uh, February 21st high, but uh, Apple kind of peaked. The market pulled back, you know, came into the close. Three-day win streak, which is always good. It just uh, kind of hung on there. Uh, near the end. Uh, Mitch, how are you doing on this Tuesday morning? Not bad. Just uh, hanging in there. And one of the things that I did yesterday is a lot of times, at least from lately, I've been having like a lot of multiple swing positions. Yesterday, I closed down to just two because I felt like we were in this in-between stage, right? We need to really focus on what happens today. I think with Jerome Powell, that's going to make a big difference in the market. And so kind of in between until that goes through, that's when we can start seeing maybe some uh, the next move happen. So I felt like traders were on the sideline waiting for Powell yesterday. We didn't get much action, a little bit of a pullback, but if we could hold here towards uh, 405, 401s, still stay up here. We'll find out what Jerome Powell does today to the market. All right, let's take a look. I know that China stocks were dragged lower based on customs data showing exports in January and February period fell from a year lower, uh, imports decreasing at a faster rate than expected and indicating still weak domestic demand. And this came from Reuters. Uh, so if you guys are seeing why some China stocks are down, that's definitely affecting them. But 
we also got some more China news out there. Uh, so keep watch. We'll talk a little bit about those coming up. But definitely, if you're seeing why some of those are taking a hit, it was some export data there. Dennis, was that just a bad take here in the FXI? Because I just have uh, just moving up to 29.94. Yeah, bad take. So 8 o'clock, um, a lot of times you see old trades coming through. And I don't even know what that trade is. I see 30, 58, and 29.93. That wasn't even on the print yesterday yeah. or the day before. So. No idea what those Fender trades are, but the current market, which FXI is usually tight at this time, is actually down five cents, twenty nine twenty two to twenty nine twenty three. So it is not up two point two four percent. Baidu too just uh, ticked at eight o'clock and it ticked down. Yeah. It's showing down three percent, but it's not. It is down. It's down two and a half dollars here today. Billy Billy is also down. They're doing an offering here, uh, which is why it's trading down here. But what do you think of the Baba chart? Because we have been consolidation stationed here for about five days. We've come off significantly from those highs down from 120 at the end of january all the way down to 89 bucks so you now have a significant pullback here in alibaba what do you think about this i think you gotta uh in the way baba moves i think you gotta if you're stepping out here at the 90 dollar level i think you gotta give you get it five bucks here you gotta you give know? it room yeah because it's the way this moves around i look at all the support and you know what it looks like it looks like your your 85 buyers kind of stepped up here that's where they were buying uh in uh, december mid-december before the rally and now i think there's like okay we're not going to get it at 85 but we're going to build a position at 90. that's yeah. what the accumulation there looks like to me so if you're stepping out at 90 boom got to lean on i don't know don't go exactly at 85 maybe a little bit uh, below but I wouldn't want to be shorted down here. Let's move on. Um, Let's go to, to Dicks. Earn yeah, earning stocks of the day. Start at Dicks. I love that name, Dicks. Good name. Let's go. Uh, you, did they name it after you, Dennis? I, I, actually, my one trade. Oh, uh, Dennis Dicks. Back, I remember back, and he's always say, "Hey, it's your dad's company." <laughs> it's your dad's company. Dad's That's company. what it is. Q4 EPS two dollars ninety three cents beat the two dollars eighty eight cent estimate. Sales at three point six billion beat the three point four five billion estimate. Q4 inventories up twenty three percent year over year. It did see fiscal year twenty three EPS to twelve dollars and ninety cents to thirteen dollars and eighty cents versus an eleven dollars and ninety six cent estimate. So good outlook there for the EPS. Now, that inventory up higher, I don't think that's good news. I think that's negative. Yeah, but the one thing about this stock is it's, it, it just seems like it's always up near the highs. And maybe it was COVID that really turned this whole thing around. And obviously, since 2020, we've been going straight up. But people like to do stuff. I mean, the outdoor store, this one just always seems to do really well. And here you are right near all-time highs, really. The all-time high, 147. All-time highs, Dennis. You are all-time highs. The all-time high, you look on your bottom right chart, you yeah. take to 142.78 in November of 21. I got 147 on mine. You I got have 147.39. Yeah, I do too. But maybe um, there was an adjustment same, in there. That same month, the September Yeah, 21st. I do too. I really? In November, somebody's got conflict here. No, uh, September, yeah, uh, no, September not November. 21. Go further out, Joel. Go back to 2021. Go to September of 2021. We hit 147. Go a little bit further. Yep, and then also on the eighth, on that August, we went to 144.74. That's what I have as well. What about um? Hmm. Again, sometimes, and 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 my software. So my software never adjusted my General Electric. Like, bring up your General Electric chart because my software never adjusted the GE price. Where yours did? Yeah, yours did because we had the big spinoff. Obviously, mine never adjusted it. So sometimes <laughs> we have, and I, I don't know if Dix did anything like that. I don't think they did, but A sometimes special... you do see conflicts, and you know, and obviously the price is the price. But you know, there's usually you know when when yours did it. Like if you look at yours, and I'm just looking at your GE chart, you see it way up there. And running from October, where I see it coming all the way back down because they didn't adjust for the spinoff on mine, the GEHC, which was obviously a $17 spinoff there. So sometimes these things don't adjust for it. But I don't know why, you know, your dick's a show. Well, everyone in the chat is going back and forth too. Florida, Florida is agreeing with me. Edson is a greeting with you guys. I wonder if there was a special divvy or something. I think there was. Somebody adjusted. Some of these charting services adjusted and some of them didn't. There so, again, that's up to the individual chart dividend. data provider. 
Yeah. yeah. Huh. Well, uh, Dix has definitely been a really strong one, but also their competitor really strong too. That's ASO, right? Academy Sports. Uh, that one's continues some really good chart. I mean, man, this, this is a monster one, man. And it's continued. It has about 30% short float. Uh, we talked about this with Michael Noss on uh, Start Swing Trading. He likes the, he likes the look because, I mean, how can people be 30-something percent short on a stock that keeps making new highs? On ASO? Highs? 30%? Yeah. yeah, it's it's kind of an interesting stock for it to be highly shorted yeah. at that price. I don't follow the company. I've traded it every once in a while, but I don't follow it closely enough to know uh, anything. But I will tell you, like you said, holy, you look at that chart, Joel, at ASO. There's a little, you know, tightening up, tightening up, getting ready to do something. If you look up at that weekly chart i'm looking at there yeah i got the monthly on the bottom right but i mean what a time to ipo a sporty goods store during the pan you know uh the pandemic yeah. in 20 i mean you yeah. talk about absolute perfect timing the other one that fits into this uh hibbert sports h-i-b-b yeah um that was uh oh that's kind of this is kind of interesting too because yeah, you're right at the 50% on this one. You went from 100 to 40, pulled back to 40. You're hanging it to 70. Yeah, if this thing can establish a strong, you know, 70 bid here. Wow. Not, well, last month's high was 73.74, but surely doesn't look like the digs or the uh, ASO charts. It definitely doesn't. And please don't call me Shirley. How to throw it out there. How to throw it out there. Okay, let's go on to the other big one that's moving here this morning, which is SE. And this stock obviously had a really rough 2021 and not so great of a 20. Well, not 2021, really rough 2022. Coming from the darling of $366. And I believe in 2020, didn't I say this was, or 2021, I believe this was my top yes. trading stock. I, I traded this did. thing all the time and it just kept going higher, 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 higher. Now, in 2022, is the exact opposite story. Kept going lower, 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 lower. We've kind of consolidated down here. And we've had a nice period, long period of consolidation. You know, 45 to 72, we've had a run. But when you look really where we came from, perhaps there's more upside here. And today, we're seeing that. Yeah, you did get a quick spike over 75. So what you want to see in the regular session is buyers take it up to 75, 14 and beyond. 75 is just a very interesting area because you peaked there in early February. Also, when this thing was coming down hard in uh, last August, it just found a, va a vacuum, a lower day. Really had a bad couple days going back. Uh, this is back in mid-August of last year. Uh, in two sessions, it went from 89.97 to 72.49, and uh, that last session 75. So be looking for that uh, as a potential target. SE uh, already traded there in the pre-market trading. The other one I often do trade with this is MELI, but it's really um, been blasting off here too in the last, well, really January. I mean, a lot of these stocks turned it around in January. Again, these are prolonged January effects here where they were in the gutter, we got the calendar. I turn, have a question. And, why Why those two together? It seems like they're completely different stocks. Um, well, not not so much. They're in different countries. So if we go look They do SE, different things, though, don't they? Pardon me? The, don't they do different things? Isn't SE more into gaming and Melly is more like uh, e-commerce? Yeah, but it's got e-commerce business too, C Limited. So we C look C Limited. They okay. got the games, I just I'm they, just asking so I can understand their relationship, yeah. right? They're, you know they're, they're in Singapore. So SE is in Singapore. And, and again, it's sometimes loose relationships too. You have Coke Pepsi, which is an obvious one. And then yeah. I get these exotic ones that I just see move together. And maybe it's just so much that, you know, my systems have identified that these things correlate pretty well together. And they mm -hmm. have really, you know, if you look overall, I guess it's just, you know, value, you know. It's the high value, the high growth stuff, the ridiculous moves. Um, but yeah, so SE and MELI, like SE has, you know, an online commerce business as well. And then MELI, if you're going to McKenna Labory, is where are they located? Different country. They are in Argentina. But again, they are online um, as well. So they both have e-commerce businesses, which is why, and they're both not American. So that's why I kind of just trade them. Not always together, but I keep an eye. MELI is a hard stock to trade too because it's a twelve hundred dollars. Yeah, stock. twelve hundred dollars. So stock. those are harder because you got to you know basically fifty cents spread on the thing all the way, all all the time. But there is both e-commerce business and they're not U.S., so they loosely trade together. 
All right, let's keep going. Let's get um, just to mention on that C, uh, the reason why it was a nice big beat, right, was that EPS, right? The EPS came in at 72 cents. The estimate was a loss of 79 cents. So I don't know what happened there. There had to be something special, but I'm going to take a take a deeper look, of course. Definitely a big beat on that EPS. Let's I, go to- I'd be scared to fade it. I mean, yeah, I've been, you know, of the fader, but this one's just so beat up from where it was, you know, 350 all the way down, 49, 45. Now we're back up at 72. I mean, this thing could go to 90 and it's still in a significant downtrend here. So it's, it's, a, it's tough to just come in here and say, oh, it's up 10%. It's too much. Well, is it? Because it really got murdered last year. Uh, so it looks to me similar really like that CN, Sienna yesterday that just was a big pop and then just came all the way back down. So that was a completely different stock, though. Sienna I'm just saying the chart. Stock, I'm talking about the chart, PE. the move, just the technical move. It, it looks yeah. very similar. Yeah. Um, so, so again, and obviously technical is one tool in your toolbox. That's why I try to like group them. You know, I put Sienna in a value category. I mm-hmm. put SE in a growth category. So those yeah. two stocks are completely different. So I wouldn't trade them together. I wouldn't take anything because what we have seen in 2021 is when value stocks are rallying, there's a more tendency to sell those reps. And we've seen with growth stocks, it's a little bit different. We've been in, we know growth has outperformed in 2021. We're only, you know, eight, nine weeks into the year, but so far it's been a growthy type of year. Yes, you know, it was a rough February, but overall growth is still outperforming. So I think it's just about the grouping of them. And I put Sienna more in a value category as opposed to a growth category. All right, let's get to another stock. Let's go to Rivian now. Let's keep it moving here, team. Let's go as Rivian is trading lower after the company announced a $1.3 billion convertible <laughs> note offering. Oh and uh, they might need it, right? They need to stick around. I think this is the survival area. This is the time when EVs need to really kind of hang tight, hold their money, because right now is not the big EV boom. Yeah. I'm not seeing everybody just talking about how they've just bought their new Tesla. I don't think that's going to happen right now. I think that's a couple of years down the line. So they, they might need some money. So they got to hang in there. Took it right down. I think uh, right now area of potential support is uh, under 16 bucks. You had a real patient buyer here between 1575 and 16. This was after the news came out in the after hours. If you're looking for more upside, I think you got to get above 1620, trading down a buck. Low of the move is in the lower 15 handle. Uh, but if it's a, I mean, 16 was an area of some highs, and I don't know. I mean, it, I don't think you're going to get to see the low of the move on this one. 1508 was your low last Thursday. I think you'll so. find buyers in those 15s. If you get down near that area, I think you will find buyers, people bottom fishing, people saying, oh, well, the market's coming back now. I do think, you again, see, on yeah. offerings, they typically don't buy them as much, but in this case, maybe. So, And Lucid has come way down here, too. Lucid's starting to try to put in a bottom around eight. So some of these growthy stocks that have been really beat up here in February, obviously, they had ridiculous rallies in January, and then a lot of them gave most of it back in February. Some of these are starting to find consolidation. And I know Carter Worth on CNBC was pointing out last night on Fast Money, just looking at Square. He was looking at SoFi. He was looking at a lot of these that actually have stopped going down temporarily. So they had the big move up. You've had the big move back to check back a lot of these to the 50%. Now you're starting to consolidate here. So you wonder if you do, don't have some more upside in a few of these Kathy-like growth names. Even looking at ARKK, same story. The big run in January from 30 to 45, which was obviously overdone, you know, when it went up 50% in one month. But then the check back. So check to $37 is like a 50% retracement. So from a technical basis here, an ARKK, the reason I go to that is because basically all these stocks that she holds are ones that are cash-burning zombie companies too. Some of them are okay, but, you know, they're all kind of the same thing. You know, high PEs or no PEs because they don't make money. Huge growth. And I think Rivian falls into that category too, although the chart on this looks nothing like the other ones. It's right back down at the lows. So 15 huge support. It is a problem because these car companies obviously are not going to be making money for a while. It's another reason that I don't buy Fisker. I've talked about wanting to rebuy my Fisker, but I'm very scared that they're going to do another offering. I think they need to to keep their production going. And you see when these things do the offerings, they get hammered on it. So I'm scared Fisker's got another one in the cards too because they've hinted that they may have to raise more cash there as well. So I, I don't mind the Rivian though around the $15 area. 
Yeah, you've already seen the buyers step up here. Uh, it May not get a chance un, down there. Un, under, under 16, uh, between 15.75 and 16. I know I'll be looking for maybe an investment in Rivian, but I'm going to be looking at probably half of this. Start, half of talk, this. Half so of this. talk needs to me go why down to like investing seven. in Rivian, because I wouldn't invest in Rivian, but give me as your thesis. As simple as this. It has connections, years of experience with Amazon. Right, I'm pretty sure Amazon has given them some pretty decent feedback on their. Vehicles. Did Amazon puke theirs out though? Did they? they have I a big or was that for work? No, no, they didn't. They didn't puke it out. I'm not sure. I, um, and at the end of the day, I don't know if you've seen the truck ever. Ford puked their out. Have you seen mm-hmm. Rivian's truck like literally like in person? Once no. you see that in person, pretty cool. I can tell you right now, I would drive that truck. And I don't like EVs at all. I'll tell you right now, I'm way more into the gas guzzler life. But that truck looks to me like a Chevy, like a Chevy Silverado, like an F-150. I think it's the closest thing to looking like the trucks that we're used to, not like a Mars truck like you see in the Cybertruck, right? I don't I mean, like the Tesla truck. Hey. So, and you Yeah, think that's this, why. That's bring why. It, I, bring, I us, say, bring us a picture of it. What's the Rivian yeah, truck look like? Look I can't up. even envision it here right now. Rivian truck here. I got you guys. I'm not saying your investment thesis is wrong. I'm just curious. Yeah, why not, right? Let's take a yeah, look. Yeah, exactly. I got you right now. Two seconds. I mean, some of these EV companies are going to be around. Not all of them are going to zero. So, I mean, there's just too many of them. So, some of them are going to go to zero. So, if you can pick the ones that are actually going to survive, some of these could actually have upside. Again, $16 billion market cap. I know some people are saying it's got some cash, but they're burning cash pretty quickly. Um, oh, yeah, it does look pretty cool. Is it just the, the one truck, truck they have? It, well, they they have uh, multiple like different versions of it, but yeah, the, this is the truck. And I, I mean, when I've seen it and I've seen it in real life, this looks like it a looks Silverado, cool. man. It looks, it looks way like, better than the Tesla Cybertruck. Oh, that's the, that's the center. That's the way center better. console. I mean, it looks like a truck. What's this? You truck get what cost? I mean? Do you know? Um, now that I, I don't know off the top of my head, Let's I think it's in work. the '60s or the '70s. Yeah. If I had to just like roughly Rivian estimate cost. it. Has 835 horsepower, all-wheel drive. Now, the EV range is where it gets a little bit small. Only 314. So this is, where, this is where I've seen a lot of these trucks struggle. We've talked about it with the Lightning, Dennis, where like it, it starts to tow and then loses all its freaking EV range. Is that so, this doesn't? I think they're all going to have that issue. That's I'll, a I'll be problem. Like that. That they're is all going to have that issue. issue. They've got to solve that issue. With the yeah, electric, it's because, not just one. That's yeah, it's gonna have that issue. That's I the think. one thing that would keep me probably away from the lightning. Not even the. Stickers. I like the headlights. You don't like those headlights? I think it looks you okay. I, I like those headlights. What are it's they driving in weird. Texas? If you're if you're not driving a white Ford F one fifty in thing. Texas, you got then uh, you're not driving a truck. So that's that's what I remember from from my trips down to Texas. I think that looks pretty cool. I mean, these one car, I mean, this is what the, they have different versions of this. This is what they have. This is, uh, you well, know, they I, have their, their last mile delivery truck, right? Yeah. That's really their game. Man, and I'll tell you right now, last mile delivery, you guys can say that it's not going to be a thing. It's going to be a thing. Let's just be honest because the, the amount of gas, like in, in like emissions that these companies give off Amazon, FedEx, UPS, they have to change. Let's just be honest. They have to change. It's not even an option. In a matter of time, they will all have to be running on probably like EVs to deliver these packages. All right, figure let's get back to some stuff. And I'd be more interested. Yeah, the first, that's, the first that's EV be company that figures out the towing capacity, the one that's, that's making trucks. First one that figures out, you know, how not to kill the battery when you're towing a boat or you're towing a trailer. That's the one I want to invest in. So let's figure it out. Uh, I, I, I did see in the chat some people call that ugly. I, I personally have seen. I think it looks pretty cool. I think it looks, cool. think it looks way better than the Tesla truck. Yeah, I'll give it. I'll give it way better, than, way the better than the Tesla truck. And yeah, seventy-three thousand. Jump edge. into this. The one issue I feel like you're going to have to though seventy-three thousand dollars. So again, the upper class is going to have no problem with this. It's the middle yeah. class. The middle class is going to struggle to get up to there. Two years ago, when we had the printing presses going, the middle class could pay up and buy a seventy-three thousand dollar truck. Now it's going to be tougher. So I don't know. I, I, I we'll And see. again, you know, the stock's near the lows. I like it. I like the support at 15, but I don't know if I'm necessarily just coming in today and buying it up. 
All right, let's go to Key Corp now as they're sliding in this pre-market and especially after hours last night as they put out uh, kind of revised full year 23 guidance for net interest income and popular profit metrics amongst the leaders. The company now expects fiscal year uh, net interest income to rise by 1% to 4%, assuming on a com on beta here, mid high 30s. Uh, looks like the previous view was six to nine percent, so a big decline from that, right? Six to nine, now one to four percent. Uh, this was a slide presentation from the 23 RBC Capital Markets Financial Institution Conference. So maybe look at that conference, see if there's anything else coming out of that, but definitely lower guidance here. Um, they also looked at the net interest uh, income to be at 1.23 billion to 1.2 billion in Q3, and 1.04 billion a year before. This came from Seeking Alpha. I don't trade banks too often, so I don't know. What do you guys think about this? Uh, you don't usually <laughs> see banks lowering guidance, so it's interesting. Yeah. I don't think um, I ever remember a bank. Yeah, well, they do, but it's not that common here. Banks and earnings are a little more consistent usually, but. I mean, maybe they're, you know, anticipating a little bit of tougher times. I know in lo loan loss provisions that the banks in Canada has been going up here because they're worried about, you know, potential interest rates having doing some damage here. Although they're solving that problem with the moving out the amortizations like we talked about yesterday. <laughs> You're scaring those. me in the chat over here. 30-year car loans. I know. So you said 30-year car loan. I said, that sounds like that's coming. That'll be the next <laughs> oh, thing. Oh, no problem. You want to buy that Rivian truck? We'll just do your AM out to 30 years. You'll have no trouble making that payment. Oh my God, man! So, so KeyBank is off the lows. It really got hit. I don't know who was hitting this down to lower seventeens last night. These are conservative stocks that don't move around that much, and it isn't like a ridiculously lower guide. It's a lower guide, but it's not like mm -hmm. ridiculous. So, it's it, it got down. To, I think seventeen twenty. It's off the lows, seventeen sixty. Yeah, I think on that low, seventeen sixty one from February. Uh, the just or no, sorry, March just from two days ago, March the second. Right there, that yep, I got uh, seventeen sixty one, and then uh, another low in that area at seventeen sixty three. You're sitting right there. Uh, the only, time, I mean, but there's not much under that, you know. And I, I don't think they're gonna whoop it that bad. But let's, I'll just call this seventeen fifty area pretty important. If not, uh, you know, you see the double bottom huh, that's way down in the sixteen handle. But weird rising interest rate environment, and they're cutting guidance. Did they? Did they like go into like that? It just doesn't make any sense to me. Oh, it can. I mean, it depends on, you know, if they think that, you know, th there could be a number of reasons why banks, and again, in a rising interest rate environment, sometimes these regionals are locked up, you know, they've got, you know, in the US, rates. they've got them locked up 30 year, and, you know, the lower rates are going up on them. They don't always benefit, you know, no. and it depends on your loan book. It depends on a number of things. But, you know, there's also the, the fact that you could have, and I know in Canada, I was talking to my buddy, who, who works at Royal Bank, and he was talking about, you know, them raising up their loan loss provisions here because they're anticipating that some people could be defaulting on some of their debt because of the rising interest rates. So this is, you know, still going to be an issue for some people. And, you know, obviously, I've talked about the amortization issue. That solves the problem for, you know, some people. But in other cases here, maybe they still can't make those payments. Maybe somebody, you know, and there's job losses coming out there. There is some issues here for the banks, and this is why a lot of them look cheap right now. But if you got into a really ugly situation where we go into a hard recession, the banks could struggle through that. So the banks don't want a recession, but the banks usually like a little bit higher interest rates. One stock that I'll just call out in the banks that I've been watching, just holding the reins that I'm keeping a close eye is Goldman Sachs. It keeps coming back to the kind of 370 area. Then right back down to the 340s, right back up, wow. right back down, right back up, right back down. Wow. You talk about the chop trading, Dennis. Yeah. That chart one. shows it more than that anything. 340, My man. goodness, that 340 level, Mitch. Awesome call out on that. Look at the lows in December. Look at January and right back to the tick to 340 there as well. Great range to trade, 340 to 370. Good observation. And if we're entering this choppy environment, if we're entering a prolonged period where I believe we go sideways, I mean, I, you got your bulls and you got your bears and I'm the sideways. I'm the only one out there, I think, mm -hmm. publicly making the call that yeah. we could be in the same spot six months from now that we are today. 
And I actually started playing my longer term portfolio this way too. And I started, I don't often write covered calls. I started writing covered calls on a number of my positions yesterday because I'm like, you know what? If I'm calling sideways market, the best way to play a sideways market is to sell premium. So I sold calls on my forward position, which, and they're decent premium right now here too. I sold calls on my Intel position. Um, I'm looking at a few other ones too. So um, the Intel one was surprisingly pretty solid premium there. I think I went out to June and on the 26th. So just at the money, I got two bucks for the 26s. So, I mean, and Ford is great premium. I just went next month and I got, I think, 70 cents for the 13s. So there is good premium out there if you think we're going to continue sideways. Obviously, if we continue higher, I get called away on those stocks. If we continue lower, well, I'm buffered a little bit, but not a ton. But I don't think we're going into a market crash situation. I don't think we're taking off. So I think covered call writing in this environment isn't a bad idea. All right, let's go to, um, let's sneak one more in here. Let's get to Meta. Uh, Meta is definitely important. Bloomberg report out that announcing the company is planning another round of layoffs as soon as this week. They're also talking about chat GPT model sharing AI tools despite leak rumors. Um, they said that they're, they say that they will not stop releasing artificial intelligence tools to researchers, even though that there's claims on online message board that it's a large language model was leaked. Um, right. So it, it pretty much out there, uh, there's some rumors that uh, Meta's uh, AI was kind of leaked to where other people had access to it. The sentiment has just turned for the stock. And, you know, we know in November when it got down there and everybody's like, this is it. I mean, that was the same thing with Tesla. It just got so ugly that, you know, it basically just bottomed out from just sentiment. Everybody who wanted to sell sold. And we've turned it around. I mean, you have two huge levels. 197, when you get up there, is huge. It's eight bucks away from here. That's going to be really tough resistance at 197 to 200. But you can't argue with the chart here, Joel. Meta's yeah, boy, it, uh, it keeps head faking. Like uh, getting into that gap area, you're thinking, ah, oh, well, you know, we're going to leak. And then someone steps up big time at the 170 area. Boom. Uh, you know, some rumors about, you know, TikTok going bye bye and uh, mm. job cuts and whatnot. I'll bring that up. Yeah, I'd, I'll just say, you know, you're getting a nice pop off it. You're still looking in the area of yesterday's high. 189.66. I think you just got over. That's the high from yesterday regular session. And then there's just another high, uh, right? It wow, it one nine, yeah, 190.83. So I don't know. I'd be cautious. See what happens. 190, 191. Of course, you know you have the the double top at one, uh, just at one 197 area. But it's up. It's opening into just a little bit of resistance. See if you can get a strong. 190 bid here in meta uh but we see the support all those days at 170 and a little bit of a market rally and here we are back uh back near the highs of the move i think it's really interesting what's been going on in pinterest and snapchat just to mention those i think meta's also getting the run from the tiktok yeah. ban yeah for so sure. just keep that watch pinterest was the first one to move on friday i talked about that on friday i was like man will snap just get moving with pinterest and boy that it did get started yesterday yes you saw snap just started the red every day yep I mean, as this gets more talk, this TikTok ban, it is good for these three companies and especially Snap, which is so beat up and looking for a lifeline here. This would be a huge lifeline for the stock. <laughs> so not surprising that eventually it starts to take off again. You know, we're, we're getting opportunities here, Joel, and there's the four technical things that we like and that I like. You know, I like support, resistance, trends, and the 50% retracement. And look at the Snap move from $8 at the end of December, the middle of December, up to basically 12, which is round is 12.44. But I'm going to 8 to 12, and then where do we check back to? 9.90, which should be about the 50% retracement. We consolidate there for four or five days, and now we start to blast off. So again, same story. You get these consolidations with the 50% retracements of the original moves. Sometimes they start to take off here again. So keep that in mind when you're trading these things. It's too, uh, it's, it's snap's gone a little bit too far, but there could be some more opportunities. And Chad, if you see an opportunity, that we just you know set up there for us. Let us know here right now 
because I'm liking the 50% retracement on some of these growth stocks. The the monthly on this looks kind of sleepy, but you can see that it's been like that for the last several months. But uh, getting over that $12 area, uh, $12.40, I see a bunch of highs just under 12 Got a little bit carried away in February with the market when you went to 12.44. This month's high is uh, 12.18. So it's been a big move in three days off 10. Uh, but, man, if this thing could ever establish a strong 12 bid, I mean, that'd be a nice breakout uh, on the monthlies for Snap. And then Pins has been in a trading range, too, kind of up, getting up near the upper end of the trading range here. I'd like uh, for this one, if it could rally another buck 10 buck 20 uh you will be running into a pair of highs at 28 surrounding the 28 dollar area so if you're looking for a target in snapchat it's a potential resistance we got all right that, that means the, the guest is here alert. that was the guest alert there uh you nice. guys heard it let's get to it dennis knows how to play it man let's go Hey, Jeffrey Hirsch, Editor-in-Chief of the Stock Traders Almanac. And if you haven't gotten your 23 Almanac already, what are you waiting for? How we doing, Jeff? Doing great. Great music. I love the, I love the rocking intro. Definitely, definitely. A little rock and roll, baby. You got it. All right, let's What's get the word? to the- you guys buying right here? What, what, oh. Were we well that's why you're we on the pal. show here, Jeff. You gotta tell <laughs> us what you're seeing here. And I mean you're you've always got your stats. We love the stock traders almanac. Um, you know, looking at this. So what do you see for the first you know, let's just talk about what you're seeing right now. Let's just talk mm-hmm. about the markets that you're seeing right now. Well, when uh my partner Christopher and I were discussing things and we did a little uh subscriber webinar. There's a quote that came up from our buddy John Person, you know, um, pretty solid trader. Used to do the commodity almanac with us. It's uh, I'd rather be a a petrified bull than a penniless bear. So, um, you know, I guess some of the the, uh, downdraft in February had people concerned. I see uh, what's uh, Mr. Wilson uh, coming uh, for these bullish for a short term rally here. But, you know, if you look at the the stats and the patterns that I look at, you know, I mean, we'll go back and review some things, but February was very typical, very typical seasonal sell off the weak spot. <clears throat> you can look at the charts. I mean, I don't know if I'm sharing anything here, but um, it really tracked quite closely. Some of the, uh, you know, fed uh, fears and, and recession fears and the big run up we had in January took away some of the pre-election year, you know, uh, uh, bullishness that, that February sometimes gets, but, on the chart, you know, we've got the seasonal patterns you've seen of, of uh, pre-election years, all years, the year with midterm bears, our aggregate cycle, which is, you know, seasonals and, and the four-year cycle as well as the decennial cycle. I mean, this a little bit more amplitude in, in, in the sell-off we had in February, but pretty much on trend with um, history. Um, and coming off of last year's midterm bear and the January bullish trifecta, uh, we're seeing some positive numbers out of the economic stats. Um, market anticipates uh, by six to twelve, maybe you know, give or take months. Uh, earnings are looking like they're going to trough in in, in mid year, um, according to like CFRA and others. You know, <clears throat> so we're just uh, you know maybe not quite as gung ho bullish uh, with getting into all new stocks right now, but definitely on hold and 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 definitely not expecting new lows. And all right, what, go ahead, Mitch. Uh, all right, so I'm going to jump in with my question is about. How, of course, we saw January's kind of growth stock rally. Um, a lot of times, some seasonality kind of leads towards maybe some value names in the second quarter. What do you think True. about that, Jeff? On point, man. Um, our recommendation from the sector standpoint is the utilities, the XLU, mm. which had a great little dip down to about 63. Um, and it's in our in our ETF portfolio. Um, and it's a very, you know, value seasonal play to worst six months. Uh, you know, it's actually a March to October seasonal trade. This was something that's, um, we, you know, we try to get into these a little bit earlier, at least to prepare people to, to pick a good buy uh, entry level early. So this was something we put out um, last month to get ahead of the uh, March to October seasonal moving utilities. So that that plays right into your into your observation in your hand there. So um, 
you know, uh, when the market, um, the stock market, the growth stock market isn't doing all that much um, value and other things and, and, and you know, income and, and dividend paying type of uh, investments do. So that's what works in the, in the worst six months. I mean, this has been an environment where rotation has been violent at times. And I mean, we've saw, oh, it's growth stocks in favor. Oh, no, it's value stocks in favor. And I mean, even looking to last year, the Dow held up fairly well, which is more of a value-oriented indice. Mm -hmm. And obviously, some of the small caps and obviously had a really bad year. The NASDAQ had a terrible year here. Do you see more of this rotation or do we eventually go into a market where they just start buying everything? I think we're still in rotation mode. Um, at some point, we'll get into a buy everything. Uh, you know, there are a few overhanging um, headwinds, uh, whether it's the debt ceiling, the rate cycle, uh, Ukraine. Uh, you know, that's the kind of thing that can weigh out a market and, and create some rotation. But coming out of the pandemic and then that crazy bull and then the more normal bear market, uh, things are still rotating. I mean, there's always rotation going on there. You mentioned the small caps, which is something I blogged on uh, yesterday. Um, if you, you know, been, been listening to what you hear, everyone talking about the small cap outperformance and, and, and what, ha what have you, which I think is important and, and um, constructive for the U.S. economy, at least indicative of the strength in the U.S. economy, the smaller caps usually more U.S.-based. And going back to last year, the Russell 2000, you know, the sort of benchmark that we all look at for the small caps was bottom first in June, held that low in October. I think we even talked about it one of the times I was I was on prior. So that's all healthy and everything. But there's this thing that we used to call or still kind of call the January effect, where small caps outperform large caps in January, documented in the almanac. I'm sure you guys, you know, if you want to look page 112 and 114, where that, that small cap effect really happens you know mid-december to mid-january used to go a little bit further still kind of runs into march and it's a great seasonal chart i don't know if you want to grab can you guys get to my blog yeah i can get to it jeff sure. if not you can also share screen just present down below if you'd like to just do it like that yeah i think this is a good chart for people to see i made it so myself share screen uh present you got it your screen. Uh, I have it up just in case. You got to pick your screen. I got to pick one, huh? You can pick it. You can pick an actual window, or you can pick the entire screen. So you got. Let's see, how am I doing? You, go. you got it, Jeff. I'm gonna put you up right now. <laughs> Boom. Technology. Boom. There we go. So I guess I don't know how big that is for you guys, but there um, you go. There we go. It, it, the, the patterns there. So this is. This is out of the, the almanac, and this is something we looked at. This is something I used to do with, with Yale years ago. It used to be the S&P small cap index, and I think, it, I mean, it's back now, but it was it was gone for a while. So we, we compared a Russell 1000 and 2000 um, to uh, each other. It's just a simple um, ratio, Russell 2000 over 1000, and you, you, know, you, you, you build the one-year seasonal pattern there. So I overlaid – the same ratio with uh, 22 to 23. This goes from July to June. We split the year differently because we're trying to highlight this um, mid-December uh, to mid-January rally. And then, you know, here it goes to March. I'm not sure if the, the months are cut off on the bottom, but right where my arrow is yeah, in the I red line is, um, is where this oh. seasonal uh, pattern begins to fade. Um, as I discussed in the blog, I Posted up there on, on a, a Twitter feed as well. So small cap rotation, um, you know, last year, uh, earlier in the year, probably a little bit more. Uh, as you can see it going against trend um, in October where the we held that, that, that October low that I had mentioned, <clears throat> kind of going against the seasonal pattern. And that's some, some you know, uh, uh, seasonal or some non-seasonal strength that was indicative of the, of the bull market beginning. And then we're back on trend here where we're pretty much tracking that seasonal outperformance for the um, small caps that's beginning to wane right here. So maybe that current rotation is is uh, more seasonal, more his historical than than um, actual cycle rotation. Jeff, do you have any stats? Um, and obviously you've been doing stock shares on my for a long time. When the Fed starts going to a tightening 
bias when they start to you know tighten, which we've seen substantially, and interest rates have come up here substantially as well. Do you have any back like stats that show what the market does when the Fed is tightening as opposed to when they're loosening? It's a huge table um, because it's it's never black and white with the Fed. You know, okay. they, they they sometimes they go a couple steps forward, but the overall overall tightening cycle is not bearish like people would think this is showing the fed coming in and and taking care of things so um and it's not exactly perfect it depends upon from what level you're coming from i mean if you're tightening from zero versus tightening from five percent you know you're talking about different impacts um the interest rates right now are still historically low and at or below average depending upon how far back you go so it's not something that i find to be incredibly um bearish and and, and uh, the only the only part of the headwind here is the fear that everyone's afraid that it's going to crack the economy i am not in the recession uh, uh camp i think we had one last year um uh, we actually put it on our chart the old school um two negative, negative quarters of gdp yeah. um and we looked at some of the the fundamental numbers and you know if you dig deep into the reports like in the footnotes of the of the bea which does the the PCE, the personal consumption expenditure uh, deflator thing there. Um, they talk about guessing. Um, okay, they call it estimates. But um, what happens when they, they get these numbers and they do And the, what we found was that January on, is the biggest increase of, every, of any month of the year for the PCE index. And what they're doing is because they don't have all the data in, they have to make some estimates and they base it on the previous two quarters or the previous two months. So they don't have that data in there. So they're suffering from a little bit of recency bias with that uptick in inflation. And we wouldn't be surprised if um, the February numbers, which will come out next week, I think the 15th of March would be, would surprise a little bit weaker than um, everyone's anticipating or expecting. So, you know, there's, there's more to, the, the almanac what we do then seasonality cycles and patterns you know uh, we're looking at, at at stats but we're also looking at fundamentals and and how the the data is being presented or not being presented um and technically i mean everyone's drawn that that uh, trend line chart um any every technician on the planet's got the same chart i look at mine oh i look like everybody else's with the the big down um that were was now become support and then you got the uptrend from the mm-hmm inverse head and shoulders bottom all coincides in a perfect storm with the 50 day and the 200 day and the pivot points and some consolidation and gaps and and a whole lot of resistant times you know other other areas that the market spent suffering from resistance so i mean it's a little bit of a battle right here um, it sure is it sure is we're on the line with jeff Hirsch. he's uh the author of stock traders almanac uh just going back to uh the uh the xlu and the utilities call here i mean those uh they had a major run but um you know in the we're still in a, a rising interest rate environment i mean if you're looking for you know yield there's plenty of places to go to yield what what you know makes you think that you know the utilities or if if interest rates continue to go higher are going to be insulated from uh investors exiting the sector i wouldn't say insulated uh this is okay. a seasonal sector trade okay that has set up as well technically i'm looking for my chart that i put out there um I think it's on on our on our on our alerts. Okay. Let's see. But um, it's just not, you know, it's not an industry play here. It's a seasonal play, as as I think Mitch was saying earlier. The value stocks tend to come and play when the market goes sideways um, during the worst six months. Yeah, so, it's kind of like the the statistics say at least to look at that area. And I I've also been just kind of keeping up with that, trying to seeing if we're going to get that rotation, right? Because I mean, the value names haven't really gotten too much. I was looking more at discretionary names and stuff like that, like PG and things like that, but it started to get a little move, but I haven't really seen anything really get the motor moving. I was trying to show you the seasonal trend here, utilities, but I'm not, I'm not, it's not coming up on there. I don't know if you guys have that in your charts. There's usually a, a lot of the software has a little seasonal thing, but you can see this move. Um, and it's really contrary in the beginning uh, of, of the seasonal pattern from, um, you know, March through like May, which is a, where we're seeing that kind of, um, 
that pop we're having right here potentially. So uh, what do you got up here on the screen? You got where's the daily one? Which corner is that in? Uh, uh, for me, it's upper right. What? What? Uh, here. Do you want to put the XLU up there? I mean, yeah, there we before. go. The, here's the daily. I'll make it nice and big for yeah, you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's good. But you see that little March dip right there? I mean, that's that's right in in with the seasonal trend. That's that's what we're seeing there, okay. in conjunction with the the downtrend that happened on season. You know, in season with the seasonal cycle. So, um, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, think I have a chart that might help. I think I have a. I, is this an old post from you from uh, Stock Almanac? This is from 2016. <laughs> uh, but if you look at the kind of the March, we time, stock right? you, Jeff. All right, no, good. <laughs> I went to hit the present button, but it's saying stop screen. So I, that's all right. We got a good one up here. That's all right. But that's the basic gist of it. I mean, and you know, we look at you know the seasonals with respect to how they're performing. I mean, we're not just going in um, because it's March. We see a nice drop here leading into it, um, you know, which is which is on the seasonal uh, um, pattern. And, you know, Joel, yeah, it's competing for um, for income with the general uh, with the Fed funds rate and the, the two year and all those shorter term bonds that are just throwing out five plus percent. So um, it's 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 more of a, you know, just a place to park things while we might get some. Some season. You know, we I, I spoke to you guys about the sweet spot of the four-year cycle, right? The three quarters, Q4 midterm through Q2 pre-election year. Um, you know, we might get a little bit of pushback on that with some of the the, the headline risk that we're talking about and and the big run-up that we had from October or, or December through through the January highs, and it just may shift that out a little bit. So some of this sideways action in the market will probably benefit um things like the utilities xlu and that kind of thing but excuse me i think um that you know juice from the um the sweet spot will get pushed out you know maybe latter part of the year if not into next year i mean election years have gotten better uh since since 08 we had the you know the the, the crisis there and then the 2000 uh election year the undecided election was kind of rough also um, but we've seen some up improvement in election year. So some of this, you know, sweet spot of the four year cycle stuff, if we're on, we get a little, a little headwind here or, or a big headwind from headlines and, and, and the fed, um, then, you know, you could see that sort of pan out to the last Anything to year. avoid, anything to avoid the stock, stock traders almanac saying be a little bit cautious on here. I'm cautious on, on, you know, China and overseas, uh, I don't, I don't see the the same transparency that we have here. Um, you know, we we roll uh, away from things seasonally. Um, I think the stuff that's not on our list is the stuff that we're avoiding. Um, okay. You know, a lot of things are still in play right now. So uh, I think small caps have probably had a bit of a run. I'm not sure I'd want to avoid them for any length of time, but um, short term after the big seasonal run, I, I might be a little bit, uh, uh, you know, cautious about getting in a whole bunch of small caps. Um, Jeffrey Hirsch, uh, stock traders, almanac, the author taking over from his father, Yale Hirsch joining us here on pre-market prep. Uh, great information. Jeff, we'll talk to you again real soon. Thanks for having me guys. Be well. All right. Uh, we're quiet here. Uh, I don't know. Maybe some individual Calm before the know. Powell storm. Yeah, the Powell storm. Uh, just hanging out at uh, mid-range uh, on the session. That's at uh, 4058. Uh, we had someone made a comment about the S&Ps. And uh, Friday's close, 49.75. Didn't see that in the regular, uh, in the pre-market session. But we did see that in the regular session. So, be eyeballing that, and then on the upside, I you know I wish I could give you a level before uh, Monday's high at eighty two fifty, but that that's the only thing I have in there so far. So we'll see a, a lower high, and I, I don't see anything of uh, forty forty nine seventy five, maybe forty seventy five. But uh, that's what we're looking at here. Do we uh, do we get to cover all our stocks here, or do we want to go to some ticker time? We can do ticker time. We got a few more. Stocks I have at least. Yeah, we can do ticker let's, time. Let's you guys go ahead, time. drop them in, in there. Drop them in there. I just wanted to kind of give a last little mention. I like to always bring you guys a little extra. So okay. X, X dividend today is Home Depot. 
uh, Newmont Gold stock, and then Tex. So I just wanted to bring you some of those ex-dividend stocks that for today. Uh, so you got Home they Depot. They go ex-dividend tomorrow? Yeah. Mitch? Yeah. And then so uh, just keep your eye on Home Depot, uh, NEM, Newmont, and Tex. Those were the three that I saw all and around. Tex has been on a monster run. And, and this is, you know, something that I do every single day. I always look at what's going ex-dividend tomorrow because there tends to be an upward bias day or a couple days before. And I usually a lot of times look even the week ahead because I know on like a stock like AT&T mm -hmm. or Verizon, maybe AT&T isn't the best example anymore. Well, the dividend stocks come down so much, dividends starting to get higher there again. But there tends to be an upward bias ahead of the ex-dividend date and weakness after. And the ex-dividend date is just the date where you have to hold it into the ex-dividend date to be entitled to the dividend. When a stock goes ex-dividend, the price just to reflect that new dividend. So you'll see a price yep. adjustment actually happen. So, for example, if we grab the Home Depot, Mitch, and I don't have the Home Depot one in front of me, but maybe we can look to today's dividends like HPQ and ex-dividend here today. So HPQ's close was $28.57. The adjusted close is $28.3075 because it was a partial, but basically $28.31. So, um, again, people who are buying the stock now are not getting the dividend. People who took it home last night are getting the dividend. So, um, but you do see this upward bias that happens over time in stocks that tend to, um, you know, have higher dividends ahead of the ex-dividend date, that is. And it's a uh, 2.63% for Home Depot. Um, but we just want to mention that something a little again. different. Oil trying to do a little, a little fake out towards the open like it did to us, man. That, yeah, that was that? tough. That was tough, Dennis. I'm not going to lie. I even got caught on that one because yeah. uh, the setups were nice. And that's how technicals can sometimes lead you in the wrong way, right? You've got oil dropping pretty good here right now, actually. <laughs> so hmm. This All right, $80 area has been real pesky. Uh, yeah. Going back to mid-February, and you had a nice run off that uh, Friday bashing. So uh, now now red, $0.71. Cents. Uh, on the downside here, crude, Whew. Yesterday's low is down at 78.32. So that's a long ways down. That's another buck, buck 30, buck 40 down from here. But uh, that 80, did we close it? We did close above 80 yesterday. You got that one close, but 80 still seems to be a pesky level here. All right. Let's see. I still like the oil here. stocks on pullbacks. Yeah. They're, they're interesting for sure. Um, and I don't think they're going away anytime soon. But here's an interesting one that I was fighting myself not to get into. Um, but thinking about it, Airbnb, I think we all were looking at it. We talked about would it come back towards the gap zone? Yeah. It did. Oh, perfect. We got wow. the opportunity there. I didn't take it. I'll definitely tell you guys I was thinking about it. Wow. I was just fighting myself. I was like, is this really the environment that I want Airbnb in? But hey, that 121, 120 area, it looked good. We'll see what, what happens. What was the gap? It was gap on earnings. I don't remember yeah. what the gap was. Yeah, gap on earnings. And exactly. then you fill the gap entirely, and again, technical. And then it starts old, coming back. Old resistance becomes new support. Yeah, yeah. Just you know, yep. and even looking at, I know we're over the 50 percent because if you went from the lows in January down at 80 up to, or we didn't get back to 50 percent, 144, that would bring nope. it back down to like 110. We didn't quite get there, but that 120 was just a good technical setup here. Hindsight Capital 2020. Wish I would have saw that one three days ago. <laughs> yeah, you had a pair of highs at the 121 area. The actual high on that er, uh, the day prior to earnings was 21.32, and it, it gave you even some uh, pretty good room. Went to 19.36, 119.36. Now, what you got to be looking at on the Airbnb on the, on the rebound here is you've had a 25 point move to the downside, right? So if you get back to this 132, 133 area. That's going to be half of the move and then hopefully build a base for this area and make another shot. But uh, a rebound run up after earnings got a little overdone, pull back to old, uh, fill the gap and now see if we can head to this 132 area. One that's interesting mentioned in the chat, Crouch Strike, uh, CRW reports tonight. There tends mm. to be an upward bias ahead of the reports. I have been long this um, multiple nights just because of the run-up here. I'm actually, I, what, so what I've been doing is buying it overnight because there tends to be a bias overnight. And I take out the intraday trading, then I sell it before they open. I've already sold it here this morning because it was already trading higher um, relative to the market there. So are just extracting the alpha from the bias of the stock often trading higher ahead of the report. And that's what you've seen happen the last four or five days. 
CrowdStrike, along with the overall market, but CrowdStrike's done pretty well. Again, we get the earnings tonight, so I'm not planning on holding this through the report. Uh, the gap up here had the big gap down. So if you get get a look at this one, uh, in order to fill that gap, you need to get to 136 and a quarter. Uh, let's say seven, eight bucks away. The stock could definitely move that much. Uh, on the downside here, I think on this one, if they, they you know, the way it, it had a good January, really hung in there in February. I think if uh, if they whooped this thing, it, you know, hit it on the report, I think you find buyers here. You can maybe figure it 50% from wherever it tops out. But uh, good January and good February for CrowdStrike. All right. I did see in the chat FSLR, but I'll bring in three with monster. that one. Just I've been talking about. Monster. We've been I've, we've been talking about on start swing trading. Would SEDG and ENPH play catch up to the first solar move? And they have really started to get uh, yeah. the motor moving, or maybe the charge moving. Let's say uh, SEDG. I like that one. Yesterday I was looking for above three thirties. I'll look for a below that for pullbacks. ENPH definitely got moving also yesterday. We'll see if these can get a little bit of a push. Tan what is a, another way that you can look at these, right? Yeah, They're Tan. All, what about a sleepy play on a really beat up one Sun Power? And I don't mind it here. I don't have a position. I'm looking at it and thinking, well, if we're going to start buying growthy names here again, which we're starting mm -hmm. to see happen, obviously a lot of this depends on Powell. So maybe you wait to see what happens with Powell um, yeah. today because that could pull the rug out from a lot of things if it's, you know, but it also, if he doesn't say anything too hawkish, it could, you know, start the rally as well. But what about a sleepy play like Sun Power here? Again, not talking best of breed by any means, but we've started to see some of these stocks like Snap, you know, in the gutter coming back yesterday, completely different stock, completely different industry, but cash, you know, burning and not, you know, or not a high, obviously lower PE stock, not a value stock by any means. I don't mind Sun Power down here. I think there's room to 18. Yeah, you, you got a you got a stop out area here at the low yeah. of the move, right? At 14, 14 yeah, move. 14, 22. All right. Well, the the nine o'clock uh, programs came in and just took a few points off the S and P's. Yeah, yeah. Headed back. I I think I think you have sellers on the upside, firm sellers. Like I might have missed the high of the move yesterday. I don't know what Powell's going to say today, and I think you have. I think you got tepid buyers here because of that big move that we had on Friday. We held in yesterday, so I think uh, resistance a little bit easier to define there. That pre-market high sixty-four fifty is looking pretty good, and uh, on the downside, unchanged on the session fifty-two fifty. So I'll let you guys uh, finish it up. Uh, everyone have a great day. Have a good one. You guys can keep up with everything Joel does, premarketprep.com, and definitely check him out. Um, he does do a, a nice in, in the afternoon show with stock odds. If you guys haven't caught that before, definitely would advise you to check it out. Um, Dennis, with that one that you're looking for, SunPower, I looked into TAN, right? And I yeah. looked at the top three. Of course, we just mentioned those top three. But right after that, you got a couple of China names, and then there's RUN. Uh, so Sunrun is one of the major ones in there. That's the next major one. So I'm keeping an eye out on this one. Really, that's sleepy. a consolidation station too. Yeah, here. I really love sleepy, buying them. You know, uh, yeah, I like buying them when they're in consolidation station. I feel like I can manage my risk a little bit better. And then you exactly. know you're, you're breaking and you're going to go one direction or the other. So it's break down. I cut it. I picked the wrong direction. Or, you know, mm -hmm. it starts to go. But the ones that are chasing, it's so hard to, you know, because, again, if you're yeah. coming in and buying a first solar, for instance, which would be a total chase right now, sometimes you just get those continued moves. But you got to yeah. give it so much. I mean, first solar, you basically got to give it back to 180 because it's still breaking out. So, I mean, yeah, how exactly. do you control your risk? Where with the sun run, I can say, well, you know, we're still, we're looking like we want to break through 26. Maybe we're going to get the breakout. Maybe I wait for the breakout, although breakouts haven't been working that great. Uh, but I just feel like, I just can control my risk a little bit better, but obviously first solar has all the momentum. Yep. I'm going to be looking for like that kind of red to green move here. And I think first solar will maybe get a little pullback, but that's a little bit difficult. I agree. I don't know where to get that one. The only thing I can use is maybe moving averages or the prior range, but that would be a move back towards like 186. We'll see what happens there. First solar EMPH did get a little bit moving there. Tan looks set up. I will say that, like overall, just like this setup, like the that does not look bad for me. And I've never traded tan consistently, but hey, who knows? Starting. I'd to like a, I'd like a pullback we'll on some of these things. It's just kind of run too far for me now because you go five days ago we're seventy two, so we're basically up ten percent 
in seven trading sessions, which is obviously a lot of probably first solar driving the bus here. Mm -hmm. um, I'd love a pullback here at the 75. And I've been saying for a while, you know, if I was buying, I do like the solar stocks. I do think eventually the solar stocks, you know, if I'm looking five years out, are going to be making new highs here eventually. I don't mind it here. So I guess it depends on your time frame too. I'm hoping to get it back, you know, if I was to buy this, it's the 75, 76 area there. But maybe it's going to run without me. All right, that's going to do it for us. You guys can keep up with everything Dennis Dick does. Triple D Trader, hit him up. Guys, if you're not following him, I don't know what you're doing. He does give some fun uh, tweets every now and then, too, just to get a couple of laughs. So definitely catch it. We'll have you on, Dennis. Go do what you do Thanks, best, guys. man. Thanks, Mitch. We'll get to the trading action. All right, last question in the chat. Chris Woods asking me, technical indicators. What do I like? RSI, MACD. Well, MACD, I think, is a little bit better on more of a intraday trading indicator. But on the dailies, you'll see me use often, and you'll see it at the bottom here, is there's volume, average true range on top of the volume. I'm not really looking at where this is here. This is just to give me the average true range of the stock. Um, and we can do that on a daily basis for like FSLR. That would be about 7.7. .7. So I can expect maybe like a seven point move or eight point move in the daily range, right? Well, that just gives me a little bit of an outlook, but you always see me using RSI on a continuous basis. Why? Uh, a lot of times what I use RSI is only, I think it gives me edge on extreme moments. What do I mean by extreme? I think extreme really is more of a relative measure, not necessarily just like, Oh, I'm going to say above 80s or below below 20s on a stock. What I look at is the history of the stock and where does it spike? Where does it usually turn around at? For me, this is about 89 on First Solar for the oversold, uh, overbought area. And oversold area would be down there towards like 18. Um, so it doesn't need to be exact, but I'm only looking to really use RSI. Not when it's in the middle. But when we're at the extremes to look for potential turnaround, doesn't mean it even has to happen, right? And I think that that's an important thing. You guys can check it out. And for that case, let's take a look at like maybe like a Tesla. You see how this has been kind of turning away from the price action, the bullish price action. We'll look to see if this can turn back there towards the 90s or can it just hang out enough to get down low enough like you saw on Tesla's reversal here, right? Look how when this... Uh, was coming in through the 130s, you were at that extreme low. And then after that, you got the turn. So it's never going to be 100%, but I do like to use it. Hope you enjoyed a little bit of extra time there. Smash the thumbs up. I will see you guys over on live trading. That's coming up next. Zunaid's back. Ryan should be back. And I'm ready to get into the trading action. It's going to be fun. We'll see what happens at 10 a.m. Eastern. You guys can also catch the Jerome Powell speech right here on Benzinga. You don't got to go looking around. We'll be restreaming that for you guys. That starts at 10 a.m. Eastern. Don't miss that. That could bring some fireworks into the market. We'll see you guys, like always, on live trading. And if you guys haven't joined or want to learn a little bit more about candlestick trading, we're going to be getting into Japanese candlestick charting technique book on our book club. That's going to be starting up in just two weeks. So I want you guys to go ahead. You guys get a chance to get in on the book club. We went through the first book already. That was trading in the zone. So if you guys never checked out that book, definitely recommend it. Now bring you guys over. Let's get to the live trading action and smash the like team. Let's go. Like always, disclaimer, all content is for informational purposes only, not to be used as investment advice. And we'll see you over to some trading action. Let's get into it.